0: Every team, every topic,
1: everywhere,
0: this is
1: Believe. Welcome to this week's episode of the Believe in Miami Heat podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rochester, and with me as always, the champ, Norris Cole. The champ is here. Ladies and gentlemen, the champ has arrived. Speaking of Champ, Sean, huh? it was championship week this week. And we have a new champ crowned in the NBA. We'll talk about that in just a second. But one of the champs of the betting world, let's talk about bet online. July is underway and a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. With the NBA finals ending and Major League Baseball heading into the second half of the season, there's plenty of betting action to get involved with. And if you're a football better, we're getting close to football season. There are tons of future props that you can wager on as well. Speaking to those futures, you can bet on the NFL MVP or even which team Damian Lillard will play for if he's traded. So Norris, we're going to challenge you a little bit. If Damian Lillard is traded, what mm-hmm. team would be your guess? If Damian Lillard was traded, which team would be my
0: guess? That's a tough one because he have to have equal value in the trade. The money has to line up. So,
1: let me give you a little help from Bet Online right now. The favorite is. The New York Knicks at plus 150. That's what I would have guessed. Then the Sixers. Mm -hmm. Then the Warriors. Then your Miami Heat. And then it fades a little bit from there. Then it goes Clippers, Lakers, Celtics, Mavs, and Raptors. It's not going to be the Warriors
0: for sure. I don't even know who made that up. definitely not going to be the Warriors. But if I had to, I would say the Knicks. I don't know what package they could put together, though, to line up the contract and everything. But I would say the Knicks.
1: Yeah, I like that. I'm definitely not a, a Knicks expert, but I know, you know, they have some young guys there. They have a lot mm-hmm. of cap room and they have a lot yeah. of available first round picks. So it would be a whole lot of assets and probably just absorbing his contract into that space. But if you're the Knicks, you had a great season. But whew, Damian Lillard, that's a, that's a whole nother level right that's there. That's the whole nother level.
0: Madison Square Garden, they thought it was
1: rocking before. It will definitely be rocking if Dame time come to town. All right, so that's a good hint for if you want to put on any wagers on that. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online betting needs. Visit the website today. Use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. There's no other place to start besides the NBA Finals. It just wrapped up last night as we're recording this on Wednesday. Both of us had the Suns. The Bucks were able to win the four games to finish the series, four two for the Bucks. What happened? You know, I, I don't necessarily, I didn't know if the Bucks would win, but four in a row. I mean, Brandon, uh, Brandon, Brandon, Jennings tried to tell us years ago, right? Bucks and six, Bucks and six, baby. But, uh, I didn't see this coming. What did you see, Norris?
0: I didn't see it coming either. But after, I would say after game four, I kind of was wanting to switch my pick because I seen. I look at body language, and if you look at the body language, Milwaukee was starting to have an effect on them a lot as far as their team morale, their body language, you know, and down the stretch, as the games got closer, Milwaukee always seemed to come up with the right play, get the loose ball, get the steal, make the shot. And on the other end, Phoenix always came up with a turnover or a missed shot or, you know, a bad shot. And so – I think Milwaukee's experience kind of showed, you know, Chris Paul has played 16 years, but, you know, he's never played in the finals. And then obviously he has a bunch of young, you know, young guys on the team, whereas Milwaukee, they have a lot of guys that's been in the league, that's been battle tested. And it was like, they wasn't going to let them take it from them. They was like, we've we've had too many wars. We've been in the league too long. We're going to just take this. And that's what it looked like. It looked like they just took the series. And Giannis, of course, was a, you know, the freak was doing freaky things, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, his stats. I mean, thirty-five oh, points, man, a game, 240 points a game, two forty points, a fifty-point closeout game six. I mean, mm. in the free were- throw shooting in game <laughs> six.
0: That's they- how you know it was. It was destined. Like everything fell right in place at the right time, man.
1: And it's crazy to think a week and a half ago we were wondering if he was even going to be able to play after that that knee injury, or it looked like he injured his knee, and. It, it's just wild. I mean, he stepped up all credit to him. You know, I I hate, it, it turns into like sort of back when, you know, you were playing with LeBron, he, he gets a lot of the credit, but there was so much around him that also did well. LeBron was great when he was winning those championships with you. Giannis was great in this series, but it was a team effort. You know, it took not just Giannis being superb and he deserved the finals MVP for sure. But there was a collection of guys around him that really stepped up their play. Chris Middleton's one guy, I mean, when they needed buckets, he got them a bucket. And over the course of the playoffs, too, those games that Giannis missed where he stepped in and carried them to those those couple wins when Giannis was hurt. 24 points a game in the finals, six rebounds, five assists. Uh, what did you see with Chris Middleton? Because sometimes he gets, I feel like, cast away as not being quite the the star that he may be. He's going to go over to Team USA right after this. What did you see with Middleton?
0: Well, like you said, it's, it's definitely a complete team effort. No championship team is ever won with just one guy dominating and nobody else supporting. So, you know, Chris Middleton definitely stepped up. And he kind of, you know, he played like a star in, in this series. And, and, and through a lot of these playoffs, he played like a star. And he is an all-star. So I think people are going to look at him much differently now that he's delivered in the championship moments. Because you know he, he's he's played regular season moments, he's had some playoff moments, but this year in the playoffs, he showed that he's one of those one of those guys that you just can't guard. He go, he's going into that category of he's a bucket, he's a walking bucket, and, and that's he's a championship, he's a champion now. So he's you know that puts a little more spice on it, but he's. He's one of those guys now where you'd be like, man, who, who's in the who in the league is like unguardable? He's one of the guys, you got the name, oh, Chris Middleton, he's one of them guys that's like unguardable, man. You can contest his shot, you can do whatever you want, but when he rises to shoot, all you can do is hope that he's going to miss. And he did it when they counted the most, when they needed it the most.
1: And so, the third guy in that list is Drew Holiday. And the shooting, Woo! the shooting wasn't always great. You know, he, yeah. was, he had a couple four for 20s, but Let's look at the other side of the floor and the yes, havoc sir. that he was causing with Devin Booker, the havoc he was causing with CP3. And you started to see as the series went on, it wore CP3 down, at least in oh, my man. opinion. And he was picking him up, you know, 80 feet from the basket, you know, just zigzagging him. But that energy that Chris had to expend, uh, what did you see? I, I think just with Drew and his impact on defense, but also then looking at those two sons guards, how he impacted their play because they were great. But they also had some struggles at times, too, because of Drew.
0: Yeah, well, let's not go on defense yet. Drew's
1: offense, he still assisted the ball well.
0: So he didn't always shoot the ball well, but he assisted the ball well. He pushed the pace. And just like he wore them on, wore down CP and Devin Booker on defense, he wore them down on offense because he was constantly attacking those guys, constantly bumping those guys in the post, constantly attacking the offensive rebounds, and then turning around and picking them up 80 feet, you know, turning them. You know, when he was off the ball, he would be in great help side position, like, like how he got the steal against Devin Booker at the end of one of the games. Like Drew is just an all-around basketball player, man. He knows how to play offense. He knows how to play defense. He can score. He can assist. He can post. He can defend in the post. He can defend the perimeter. He can defend the one, two, and the three. He's just a versatile basketball player, and you have to have guys like that to win a championship. And he, he definitely showed his value because, like you said, some of the games, you know, his shot was off, but he showed that basketball is more than just shooting. You know, he showed he can assist, he can organize, and he can lock in on defense at an elite
1: level. Yeah, and to yeah. your point, 16 points a game, six rebounds, nine assists, almost 10 assists a game with two steals. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Percentages weren't great at times, but look at those stats. I mean, that's production right there. Well, let's, let's talk about the Suns now. So, Devin Booker, he finished the series with a 28 points per game. Chris Paul, 22 points a game. Uh, just a little bit over eight assists. They were dynamic at times, and there were other times where it seemed like they couldn't get to their spots. We talked earlier, uh, I think two episodes ago about the mid range and the three point, and they were getting to the mid range and torching them. But at times it seemed like the bucks adjusted and couldn't get there. That drop defense and things we talked about before. What do you think happened with the Suns and in their, their shortcomings, I guess, over the last four games and inability to, to score at that rate?
0: Uh, I believe that, Their offense, for the most part, was actually pretty good, except in the moments of truth, except in the moments where it's like, okay, they need a basket on this possession or it's the end of the quarter. You know, they have to, you know, they need to score in order to keep the game close. But other than that, their offense, if you look at their numbers, their shooting percentages, you know, you would would think offense wasn't the problem. You would think like maybe they needed to make more stops. And that's kind of what I saw. I think their offense was fine, except for in those very, very close moments. And that's where experience, you know, kind of kicks in because Devin Booker was torching. But, you know, in the last moments, you know, turnover or forced shot. He had, well, he had a couple open shots, but for the most part, it was like, take a tough shot or a turnover. Same with Chris Paul, in the key possessions of the game, you know, he had turned it over. And I think part of that is Drew Holiday wearing, you know, the wear and tear effect and Giannis and P.J. Tucker and Pat Connaughton. And I think another part of that, too, uh, Chris Paul his, you know, his hand and wrist is messed up, too, because he don't just dribble the ball off his feet or dribble the ball and the ball, go left or right. That just don't happen. So that, that let me know right there something physically was wrong with him. But. At the same time, when something is physically wrong with you, Andrew Holiday and P.J. Tucker is on you, it makes it two or three times harder. So they had their chances. But at the end, at those close moments, those moments of truth, no, they just didn't. No, they just didn't deliver. And I don't think they got those other guys involved enough in the later games of the series. Um, No, I can't think of his name, the guy with the afro. Yeah, I mean, Uh,
1: Bridges and Cam Johnson. Yeah, Cam Cam Johnson
0: and Bridges. Those guys played a key role in game one and two. You know, those guys are high percentage scorers, high percentage shooters. They can attack, but they need you to create for them. And I think that, you know, CP and uh, Devin Booker, as great as they were, you know, they didn't keep those guys involved as much as I feel like they could have. And I think that's kind of, you know, what's the difference? Because, you know, Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis, You know, they showed up in those moments of truth. And, and, you know, Drew Holiday kicked it out and found them. You know, Chris Middleton found those guys. Giannis, when he attacked, he'd kick it out and he will find those guys. And so
1: I think that was kind of the difference. Yeah, definitely. And and for weeks, maybe months since we started this, you've been saying the team that has the best bench, the best second unit is going to win. And Absolutely. Bucks did that, you know, and you mentioned PJ Tucker is, is not a bench player, but he's a secondary player, his defense, right. the physicality, two guys, you mentioned Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton. they came off the bench. They were really, the Bucks only played eight last night. And um, most of those minutes came from those two. They provided a spark off the bench. Bobby Portis brings energy. The crowd starts chanting his name. Pat Connaughton's flying around, knocking down shots. What do you, you know, you were in that role, you know, the second title, when we played against the Spurs, you played about the same amount of minutes, 18, 20 minutes. Um, and you had that same role in the first title. What mindset does it take to be in that spot where, you know, you're coming off the bench. You may know that you're going to come in at a certain moment, you know, usually around the six minute mark or the four minute mark or whatever it may be, but how do you mentally come in and know that you need to provide that spark for your team?
0: Well, one, that's your job. That's the job description. When you come in, when you come in and off the bench, that's that's in your job description. Come in, change the pace of the game, bring the spark. But uh, we used to call it being a star in your role. So, you know, if your job on the team is to shoot, be a star shooter. Like work on that, be excited about that. If your job is to be a defensive presence, shot block, be a shot blocker. You come in and do that. You know, if your job is to come in pick up 94 feet and fly around and change the pace of the game, you'll be a star in your role. And that's what Bobby Porter's did. He was a star in his role. Energy, defense, offensive boards, and knocking down open threes. Pat Connaughton taking charges, attacking the offensive boards, and knocking down the three-bar. And they were excited to do it. And you have to have that. You have to be like, listen, this is my role for this team. I have to fully embrace it. And when you do that, that's what makes up a great team. It's like a car. The transmission can't be trying to do what the steering wheel do. The wheels, the wheels can't be trying to be the seatbelt. You know, everything has to function perfectly, you know, perfectly. And when that happens, you have a beautiful automobile. And that's what happened with the Bucks. Giannis, Giannis was Giannis, the star, you know, making sure everything was right. You know, Drew point guard, Chris Middleton, you know, perimeter score, finisher. You no, know, Lopez being that solid big man in the middle, clog up the middle, space the floor. And then you have the role players, P.J. Tucker, Pat Connington, Bobby Portis, and you have NBA champion,
1: Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I agree with that. And you could see the Bucks chemistry. They definitely celebrated each other's success. There wasn't a selfish bone in their body. And, you know, you look back to last year's Miami Heat and that bubble run and, and celebration. We just had game six, you know. One of the most famous things that you've done in the NBA is that video of you jumping, you know, out of the out of your chair for Ray Allen's three in those moments, not being upset that I'm not in or something that happened, coach put me on the bench, being up, you know, being selfish, celebrating that other people are out there shining. And and that's what it takes. I don't think you can win having a team that is jealous of each other. It's it's rarely gonna work you know at any level of basketball. And uh, it was cool to see. You know, I really liked seeing Giannis emotional after the game um, and, and celebrating with his teammates, thanking people. He's really – he's always been a good person, but he's I think he's really exposed what he's about over these last couple of weeks into the finals.
0: It's called being pure. You know, when you're pure to the game, when you're pure to the, the cause of the team, when you're all in 100%, you know, you get those, you know, those lucky breaks that happen through a, throughout a series, throughout a season. When you're pure, when you're all in, you know, your teammates can be excited for your success, and it's a trickle-down effect. When your best player is unselfish, when your best p- player is pure to the game and wants to see his teammates succeed, it's a trickle-down effect for the whole organization. And you can see that. You can see the genuine love when Drew Holiday made those plays, when Chris Middleton did what he did, when P.J. Tucker would take those charges, when Bobby Porter would, you know, get emotional. Like, you can tell that those guys were all – and when they made plays, the bench, the bench was on fire. And so, you know, and as a player, when I played, my whole attitude was, I'm going to give the same energy that I want my teammates to have for me. When I'm out there, I want them to be cheering me on, with hoping I do well. And so when I'm on the bench or when I'm playing that support role, I'm doing the same thing. And you can see that with Milwaukee. Every time they made a play, they was all together. And, um, you know, Phoenix did that for the most part, too, It's just that they kind of, you know, they went up against, you know, just a better – you know, a better team in the series. But Milwaukee, you can tell, like, those guys were 100% pure, 100% all in, and they deserve what they what they received.
1: And one more guy we want to shout out is Bryn Forbes. And, you know, he torched us. in that. Oh, we round. can't leave
0: out my Cleveland State, buddy. There
1: we go. So, yeah, yes, we, I didn't realize. He he finished his career at Michigan State, but he started off at Cleveland State. And, obviously, would yes, it be you are the only two Cleveland State alumni? Yes, sir. To be a champs. Awesome. So shout yep. out to Bryn Forbes. You know, he, he played a role in, in every series, his minutes kind of wavered here and there, but great shooter. Uh, still a young player. He's probably got a good career ahead of him.
0: Absolutely. Shout out to Bryn, man. All
1: right. So two more questions, really one more question about the NBA finals before we move on. You won both your NBA championships on your home floor in Miami. What is it like doing <laughs> that? You know, I can't ask you, what is it like winning on an opponent's floor? Cause you didn't experience right. that in the NBA, but winning in your home floor like Milwaukee did last night. What is mm. that like?
0: It's like a party with 60,000 people. <laughs> it's, it really is. It's, from a family standpoint, it's the best thing that can happen. You went on your home court, you're in your home city, you, you celebrate with your home fans, and you sleep in your own bed that night whenever you do go to sleep, because you don't really sleep the first couple nights. But it's like a win-win. You went on your home court, celebrate with your home fans, Your family is there. They don't have to wait for you to fly in. You know, the city is there buzzing. And you get to show up in your own bed, sleep in your own bed. It's like the best thing ever, man. It's like a nonstop party for like a week. After a week, it's going to die down. You're going to be emotionally, physically drained. But for the first week, especially the
1: first three, four days, there's no sleep. I know you're not going to go into a ton of detail, but that that after the ring, after you get the trophy, or I mean, not the rings, but after you get the trophy, you go back to the locker room, you spray the champagne everywhere. That next, you know, is everybody on a team going out somewhere together? You know, I've heard stories about afterwards, I think it was Battier went down Biscayne to that Denny's that's down towards like 195 or something like that. Like, it makes sense that he's the one person. If you told me, he, me the shame. guy that goes to Denny's. That right?
0: sounds like something Shane would do. But yeah, <laughs> mostly everybody goes to the same place. You know, you, you know, we all go to one place, celebrate together for the whole night, the next night do the same thing, and the next night the same thing, you know, then after that, you know, probably, you know, have a parade or whatever. And then after that, it's like vacation time. It's like, all right, four, four or five straight days, like, all right, cool, like it's time to time to go go to some some island somewhere. <laughs> but it's this is for the first three or four days, man, it's non-stop celebration. You don't, you don't pay for no meals. Everybody in the city want to get a, get you a meal. Every restaurant want to take care of you. It's like, I can't, ex- I can't exaggerate. It's like the best thing ever, you know, and you're winning. You're just winning. No one's telling you, no, ever. <laughs> it's just, it's just a win-win situation.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. And it's, it's deserved, you know, it's hard to win a championship An NBA championship isn't easy. So all the free meals, whether it's from Denny's or from whatever restaurant, Prime 112, whatever. I mean, you deserve everything you get because that's that's not easy to do.
0: Absolutely. In a city like Milwaukee, too, you know, like a Midwest type of city, you know, like blue collar, it, it's, it means even that much more because, like, that's all their fan base been waiting for. and That's all they, you know, going through the winter months, the snow and all that to still stick with your team. So you know to be able to celebrate, which I mean, the whole city was out there. It was, I think, it was like sixty thousand people. Can you imagine that? That's a lot of people in one place. I hope they was a. Uh, I hope they was vaccinated.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll try to steer away from the political. Yeah, stuff, yeah, but- yeah. I
0: hope they was vaccinated because <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> All right, so let's move into uh, something that I pulled off of Twitter, and I and I kind of. Preface this a little bit with Norris just to see if he was aware of it and uh, get his ideas before we started on this. But you, all, everyone that's on NBA Twitter probably has heard this hooper or basketball player discussion, and it's from a guy named Rashad Phillips. He, he does some media stuff. He's posts things all the time. I mean, he's just one of those personalities. And to keep it short, this is what he said. He said, a lot of people can hoop, but not a lot of people can play basketball. It's a huge difference. Rare players can do both. In his next post, he says, these five, and there are pictures of Iverson, Garnett, Kyrie Irving, Jamal Crawford, and Kevin Durant. These five are guys that knew how to hoop and play basketball. This combination leads to more exciting players. Basketball players aren't as exciting but can still be productive. Tim Duncan was a basketball player but not a hooper. Then he gives four examples of basketball players. Tim Duncan, Clay Thompson. John Stockton and Giannis that are only basketball players, still productive, still dominant, tons of records and MVPs, but not hoopers. Lots of people have been discussing this, quote, tweeting it, giving examples besides the ones he gave. I'm giving the floor to Norris, a professional basketball player, NBA champion. Norris, what do you think about this whole discussion? Well, first things,
0: folks, I, first, I do both. I'll hoop and I know how to play basketball. <laughs> I'm gonna just preference by saying that. But I understand what he was trying to say. I don't like how he said, you know, a couple guys that are basketball players and not hoopers. I think he's kind of off his rocker with some of those names that he named. But I understand what he was trying to say. And there is a difference. There are a lot of guys that can that can hoop. You know, there are a lot of guys that can, you know, get out there, especially like in pick up or or lower levels of basketball that like, you know that, that can hoop, you know, they got game. But, you know, when it comes to playing high-level basketball, you know, they're not good at it. You know, they, they can't pick up on that part. Mostly that's like the mental side of the game. And like he said, the guys that he named that can do both, those are legit guys. There's more than those two, though. I mean, those five that he named, there are a lot more. But that's a great example because everybody that he named that can hoop and do both, he was exactly right. But those names about, you know, those other names – Some of those guys can do both as well. It's just that they play in the system that they play in. And so, but if you're a real basketball player, you know guys that can hoop. And if you're a real hooper, you know guys that can play basketball. You know the difference. And you know who can do both. And so, I think it's great just for discussion. You know, one guy, I'm surprised he left off of there. was like James Horton, you know. He's, a, he's one of the kings of hooping and, and playing basketball, you know. And, and, of course, MJ, the best hooper and, and basketball player, however you want to slice it, you know, and Kobe as well, however you want to slice it. <laughs> but um, it's a great, you know, it's a great discussion for the basketball world, for basketball minds, and he's exactly right. There's a difference between a hooper and a basketball player, and then there's a rare, rare few that can do both.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's interesting discussion. Um, some of the names I, we didn't agree with. We won't we won't uh, mention yeah. who. Maybe yeah. the greatest power forward ever. But uh, yeah, we're not
0: gonna disrespect Tim Duncan at all. I, I don't mean, know about that. He yeah. can hoop and play ball. You can drop him off right in the middle of New York, and he gonna hold his own. <laughs> right, he gonna hold his own no matter where you drop him off at.
1: Yeah, I took you know my my experience coaching. I thought of it as like there's kids that I've coached that you don't need to give them a lot of structure. They can just go out there and play. There's exactly. other kids that need a lot more structure. And we're talking about a lower level than the NBA, but it's, it's, that's the way I took it. And I think from what you mentioned, you know, there's, there's guys that are hoopers that couldn't make it an NBA because of the structure and the discipline that was required. And it doesn't mean that they're undisciplined or lacking in any talent. It's just fitting into the constraints of a system, I would say. It's in the mental
0: part, being able to think, yeah. you know, make plays in a split second, you know, it's it's not it's not easy, you know, it's not easy when you're out there with all of the best players in the world, you know, that's it's not easy.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It's you know, as you go up the ladder, you know, most of us only get to experience maybe going from middle school to JV to varsity, and that speed gets faster. And now, as you're going into college and you're going to the NBA, it's just it's split second decisions. And if you can't process it, that mental side, like you said, is going to be your handicap. You're not going to be able to get to the level that you want to get to.
0: Absolutely.
1: All right, guys. So as we start to close things up, we are excited that we are going to be closing in one week to the draft next week. Next Thursday is the NBA draft. The following week we get to free agency. We are ready to get into this in, 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 chew it up and be ready to hear what's actually going to be happening. It's been months. It seems like that we've been talking about the same names over and over and over and over. And we're excited to know and give answers to the questions of who's going to be joining the Miami heat next season. So we do have a question that we're going to close out with next season opening night. Mike Biamonte is on the mic. The place is packed finally back to normal. And he announces the starting five. Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler and Norris. That's what you're going to get. You don't have to guess. (laughs) You got to stay tuned to to know the answers to those. (laughs) Oh man. We've tried guys. We've been trying to fill it in. We know we've talked Kyle Lowry, Colin Sexton on and on and on and on and on. And you know what? We are past that point and we are going to be waiting anxiously to break it down when it happens, starting in just about 10 days. So before we close out, If you enjoy the Believe in Miami Heat podcast, which is presented by Bet Online, please like or subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. It's quick and easy. You can rate and review, hit those five stars, give us feedback. We're always looking to improve. Any ideas you have for our podcast, we're definitely open to those, and we definitely appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in. And Norris, please close us out.
0: Heat Nation, thankful for another episode. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, hit us up, and we'll see you next time on Believe.